From 2 Corinthians 13, 13, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are so glad that you are seeking God with us, and we pray that the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you. I am Brian Niebank, pastor of Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. I thank you for joining us today as we seek to walk together with God, expressing our love in Bible study and prayer, living the life of the church and serving others and worshiping God. May God bless you today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last week, I preached a sermon called All the More. I think you blew it out of the water with the amount of food that we made this week. 293 total apple pies made this past month, 62 jars of apple butter, 283 pounds of bacon, and I thought my number was 1,008 pounds of sausage, but it sounds like it was 1,200. 95% of that is already sold, but there are still limited quantities available for some time. And most impressive, those of you who worked so hard yesterday still managed to get yourselves out here, the church. I think we took the message and all the more, whether in title only at least, but we took the message and made a lot of food. And we're blessing the community with that. So thank you all again for, for those of you who have uh, helped to do that. It's wonderful to see it come, come through and, and uh, to, to see happen as it unfolds. In reflecting on today's scripture readings, there are three questions that today's scripture lessons pose to us. And each are followed by calls to action. The first question is, do you worry? Jesus asks us a key question in Matthew chapter 6. Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? The answer to that question is most definitely no. No time will be added to your life by worrying. Jesus tells us that God knows that we need these things which we worry about and that therefore God will provide. Instead of worrying about where we will stay or what we will eat or what we will wear, we are told to strive first for the kingdom of God. 
How many of you are worrying about what you are going to get someone for Christmas? A fair number of you, probably. How many of you are worrying about whether a disagreement will resurface when the family gathers this week for Thanksgiving? Some of us worry how someone we are able to meet will receive us when we meet that person for the first time. Do you worry about whether they will like you? Perhaps some of you worried about what you were going to wear to church this morning. There is quite a bit that we can be worrying about. We can strive for each of these to go well. And we can do our part to make it happen. But we need to strive first for the kingdom of God. God knows what we need. If we strive first for God, God will bless us richly with more than we need so that we can keep giving to others. But if we start paying more attention to our own needs, we will end up not having enough even for ourselves. Life is more than constant worry. Worry is one of the strongest weapons that the devil has because it distracts you from living a life with God. A life with God not separated from God by worry or doubt or fear, is truly worth experiencing. Perhaps the strongest weapon that the devil has is convincing us, Christians, that he doesn't even exist. That we don't need to worry about him. But he does. And if you do worry about one thing, that maybe that is what we should be worrying about. That we have a force at work in our lives on this earth that is trying to make us worry more, to try to make us doubt more, to distract us from seeking God first. I hope that we can all live much of the rest of our days not worrying about the small things that will eventually cease to matter, but rejoicing in the breath that fills our lungs in the song that fills the air, and in the spring that powers our steps. Again, strive first for the kingdom of God. The first question was, do you worry? The second question is, do you pray for and thank God for everyone? In his letter to Timothy, Paul writes, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. We do not need to be the person in power. If we seek power for the wrong reasons, we are not living in godliness. Rather, we are to pray for those who are in power, that they may be guided by the Spirit of God and conform to the will of God, 
rather than the will of the world. We often think that we can do a better job than the person in power, if we were the ones in power, at least in most cases. But sadly, we shake our heads and say that only the people with money really get that power. Yet can't God do an even better job than we would? If we pray hard enough for the people in power to either turn to God or turn closer to God, we are letting God into power. This is why we pray for our leaders, whether or not we like them. We want God to bless them and to change their hearts, to change their priorities sometimes. This is why we are also called to pray for those who persecute us. We pray for everyone because we know that the more hearts that God wins, the better our world becomes. And on Christ the King Sunday, the more hearts that God wins, the better Christ can be king today on this earth and over this earth. But you may ask the question, what about the people who have done nothing but evil for their entire lives? How can we thank God for them? Have you been inside a prison lately? If not, what would you expect to find? People yelling at each other and constantly fighting, perhaps? That would grow old pretty quickly, especially after a couple nights in the hole, which is pretty much a strict isolation chamber where you go if you get into trouble at prison. You are actually more likely to find people who are trying to become better people, to admit to the mistakes they have made, and to try to turn their lives around. People in prison are at the lowest point of their lives. They are most likely to be encouraged by something new that promises love and forgiveness for the past, often more so than people who are unchurched just around us in today's community. When I helped lead a Bible study at Mansfield Correctional Institute for a year and a half, I found Christians who seemed to study God and ask questions about God more than most of my Christian friends. And they shared stories about telling others about their faith and how others were seemed to be inspired. And more and more people every year came to that Bible study and it kept growing and growing. That shows that something powerful is capable of happening in prisons. Now, some of them inspired me to ask difficult questions about God more often because they come and ask those same difficult questions to us at the Bible study. We have been going into some of these questions in the book group, whether or not I actually plan for that. Uh, there have been some very interesting questions that have uh, come out of that book group. And I intend to focus on some of them during our Advent season to give you an opportunity to hear a bit more about our uh, rewarding conversations that we have been having. For as we wait for God, 
We have a lot of difficult questions for God. I know that this does not describe everyone in prison. Some are content with their ways and don't want to hear anything about God or church. But we can still pray for them all because of this potential of curiosity, of reflectiveness, of a desire to find some encouragement, especially when they have to serve the sometimes lengthy remaining sentences that they were given. For many, their family has shut them out of their lives. That is most difficult for some of the people that I was able to talk to. They think that they are past forgiveness. But they are finding that they still have a Christian family. They will never shut them out. Yes, pray even for those who have done evil. The third question is, what were you appointed for? Paul noted that he, that he was appointed a herald and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. <coughs> he taught the Christian churches, Paul did, about the right way to follow Jesus, just as he still teaches our Christian churches today. Regardless of whether you are called to be a teacher or a scholar or a missionary or a sausage maker, you are called to be an example for Christ. As a herald, we proclaim the good news to others. As an apostle, we aim to follow Jesus as close as we can. And if you are appointed to follow Jesus, there are two special ways that you can celebrate the American holiday this week that will help you to grow closer to Jesus than even maybe you are right now. Thanksgiving is in part a special time for the gathering of family. But that is not all it is, especially if you are apart from family this year or will be, or feel separated from those that you love or loved. You can still meaningfully celebrate the holiday. What are five good things that happened to you this year? Can you think of five? They are not always major things. The move to the parsonage is a big one for me, so I don't have to commute an hour to come to church. The book group is another one. It started in January, and I think it has just been getting better by the week. Being able to enjoy a campfire outside is an added bonus. Having friends and family coming to visit gives me the excuse to use it. An attitude of gratitude throws everything else out the window, and it makes everything much brighter. It makes interactions more pleasant. This discovery is a very special part of Thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. Another is looking forward. 
At the first Thanksgiving, the pilgrims were thinking about how to get through a harsh winter. But they were also dreaming of a new life for themselves in a new land. They could have complained about the cold, the food, the friends and family who did not make it. They probably did. But the dreams and hopes overpowered all of that. When we add Jesus back into the mix, which God renews into our lives every day, but especially in the Christmas season, this hope is multiplied. Do look forward. Imagine the things that are possible with God at the center of the equation, with worry no longer clogging the instruments that we use to praise God. Imagine what is possible with God when you pray on behalf of all those people you don't like. Yes, even those who have done evil. Strive first for God. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit reign as king over all the lesser things that we see on this earth. We know as Christians that Jesus is going to come back and make things right. Renew your confidence in this promise. Jesus is king. Jesus will reign as king. God is our creator. Jesus is our redeemer. And the Holy Spirit is our interceder. And yet, they are all one. May you, who are weary from sausage making or apple butter stirring or exhaustive phone calls with families, perhaps difficult co-workers, perhaps even with a young baby at home to keep you up at night, the Clark family especially, also in the Hoover, but I know Elisa's getting a little past that, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) But regardless of what makes you weary and exhausted today, because we all have something, may you come to God with that and say in faith to Jesus, as John did in Revelation, come, Lord Jesus. With all my questions and fears through all the years, I bid you still come. You are my hope. You are my rest. You are my strength when my strength is gone. Come. Come for me, build my own faith. Come for my neighbor who also needs you. I strive for nothing more than for your glory to be revealed here on earth. I come with an attitude of gratitude, interceding for those who will not intercede for themselves, knowing that someone did so once. For me, come to save the world, and if not right away, come help me to be all I can, as long as I can, to raise this song to you. Thanks be to God, and amen.
going to tell me what the next hymn was. Our next hymn is We Gather Together. It is also in the Worship and Rejoice hymnal, but it is also found in your inserts. So let us sing together. Thank you for joining us here at Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. If you would like to reach out to us, we would be thrilled to journey with you on your walk with God. Call us at 419-483-6658 in the United States. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at zionunited at gmail.com with any prayer requests or questions you may have. Remember to make time for God and confess Jesus as your way to God to give you hope in this life. May you be blessed by God and be a blessing for another. We hope to see you again.